0: You're listening to the December 10th, 2014 edition of The Close-Up, the Film Society of Lincoln Center's weekly podcast series. This is Brian Brooks.
1: And this is Eugene Hernandez. In today's episode, we are featuring a conversation with actress Marion Cotillard. Marion Cotillard won an Academy Award in 2008 for Best Actress for playing Edith Piaf in La Vie en Rose. And just last week, the New York Film Critics Circle named the French-born star its choice for Best Actress in 2014 for roles in both James Gray's The Immigrant and Jean-Pierre and Luc Dardin's Two Days, One Night. She is also nominated for Best Actress at the European Film Awards. The ceremony will be held later this month.
0: The Immigrant had its North American premiere at the 51st New York Film Festival and opened in theaters this past May. Two Days, One Night screened at the 52nd New York Film Festival this past October. The drama is a bold ethical inquiry that pits worker against worker. In the film, a group of employees at a small factory are given a choice. Each will receive a bonus if one, played by Cotillard, is laid off. If no one is let go, then none of them get a bonus. Marion Cotillard spends a weekend knocking on doors, visiting each of her co-workers and pleading with them to keep her job.
1: At the New York Film Festival this year, Marion Cotillard joined the Darden brothers on the red carpet for the film screening, which won raves from the audience. She also sat down with Variety's Scott Foundas here at the Film Society for an hour-long, in-depth conversation, not only about two days, one night, but her career working both in Hollywood and in Europe. Let's go now to that conversation.
2: Hello.
3: So, uh, of course, people have not yet had a chance to see Two Days, One Night. They'll see it later today. So, so maybe we can start just by talking a little bit about um, the character that you play in this film and, and how the Dardenne brothers came into your life.
2: <laughs> um, I did uh, uh, a movie called Rust and Bone uh, by Jacques Odia, and they were co-producing this movie. So the first time we met, it was very brief. It was like a three minutes encounter uh, in front of elevators. And uh, I was very impressed. I'm a huge admirer. And, uh, and I have a more than a lot of respect for, for their work and, and for them now as uh, human beings. Um, and then uh, I think it was kind of a year later uh, they they asked me to be part of a project which surprised me a lot because they're not used to work with uh um actors like <laughs> <laughs> actors with like a a kind of a different experience uh i wouldn't say a lot but uh uh, well, let's know, just cut I've to the chase. Into, movie stars, uh, <laughs> they don't work with movie stars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that e- either. But, no, but like, you know, like, yeah, I've traveled in yeah. um, a lot of worlds uh, before uh, their world. And uh, so I was very surprised and both uh, surprised and very excited. I mean, more than that, even more than that. Um, I've seen all their movies and I love them all, which is something. Um and now my character well she's uh she's a a woman she has two kids she's a she's a simple woman a simple and very complex at the same time she just recovered from a, a very deep um depression and um and she's uh fragile and she's going to discover things that she didn't expect uh something that she didn't expect to be like, not not just a weak person much more than that without saying too much
3: <laughs> well and w- one of the things that's interesting about the film is is you mentioned that the character sandra as she's recovering from a depression but we never really find out too much detail about that it's just sort of something that informs the character so as a As an actress how much how much work did you have to do sort of on the character beyond what was there in the script in order to become the character
2: well i needed a lot of uh stories Um, so it allowed me this project allowed me to be very creative in a way and and uh it called my imagination to give a lot of stuff um because yeah, we don't really know what happened before, and I needed to know. I needed to know how her depression affected um, her family life, uh, her kids, her husband, uh, the people uh, she loves. Um, I needed to know where she comes from. I needed to create her family. I needed to create her parents. I needed to create uh, even like siblings, or I don't. I mean, I won't. I won't go too far into. Um, what i found to feed me uh for the shooting and and to reach the emotions that i needed to reach Um, but that was um that was a wonderful part of the preparation i had done it um one or two times before um because i needed to have a background that i didn't have um on um with the script And it was um, so I wrote very dramatic scenes <laughs> to <laughs> to help me um, get to certain emotions, and especially that they wanted to do only sequence shots. Right. So sometimes it's uh, very long, like sometimes a ten minutes shot. And because she's uh, she's kind of even if she's uh, she has recovered from this depression, she goes back there uh, pretty quickly because, uh, because she's very fragile. And, um, and sometimes I needed to find the way to burst in tears in the middle of a conversation when there is nothing in the conversation that will lead you to have an emotion. So I needed to um, open the suitcases of uh, dramatic stories that I had written and uh that even the brothers are not aware of um but um yeah i needed this material to to understand her first of all and to help me get with her in dark places
3: now you mentioned that the brothers are not uh, have not typically worked with uh, well-known stars in their films they also have their own very particular methods of making a film and can you can you talk a little bit about sort of entering into their their process and 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 uh, the rehearsal process and and then actually what the shooting of the film was like compared to other films that you've worked on
2: Well, they organize everything for them the crew and the actors of course to have time to explore Which is uh, which is really amazing Um, I've done very low-budget movies, which doesn't allow you to have time to rehearse or even to have time to shoot the way the director wants to shoot. I mean, the director has a vision and then he has the money and it doesn't fit, (laughs) you know. So he has to reinvent his vision of the story because of no time, no money and no time. Um, They shoot every three years. Uh, and they yeah, they organize everything for the creativity to have, like, kind of a... Um, a comf- comfortable is, is not a word that I like to use when it comes to shooting and, and to, to telling a story, because that's not the comfort that you uh, look for, but the comfort of time really allows you to to explore and to go to the deepest um, Yeah, to go very deep and we had a, uh, a month of rehearsals which is really amazing and it was really um, Sometimes you, you can have a month of uh, preparation. For example, I remember with Michael Mann, I had I had four months of preparation because I needed to speak English properly without a <laughs> French accent, which I tried everything, but well. And, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, with the brothers, it was really rehearsals like a theater rehearsal. It was more about um, the The technical aspect of it, because it was sequence shots, we needed to find the choreography uh, of the camera and the actors. Uh, So of course it's technical, but it's always also the energy that you give and that you will give the day of the shooting that will also create this choreography. But we we didn't focus on uh, acting. So then when you're on set, because you know what you're gonna do, even if sometimes it can slightly change, you know, it's not like uh, um, written in stone and you cannot move anything, it's still alive, you know. Um, But then they focus and we focus on the acting, and it's uh, it's a real uh, luxury. And then I can go on and Well, on I was going to say, after, <laughs> after
3: all that, after all that uh, rehearsing for a month, then you must just go on the set and uh, it's very easy. You get it all in one take and move on to the next uh, scene. Yeah,
2: yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what you think. But <laughs> on day two, we did 56 takes. On day four, it was 82. And then on and on. No, because it's... The thing is... Usually, when you think, "Oh my God," you do so many takes. The the direct the director or the directors must be like crazy or
3: S- sadomasochistic. Sometimes, no,
2: because sometimes it happens that you have some directors who wants to get something out of you, and uh, and he gonna um, go on and on with the with with many takes. With uh, the Darden brothers, I always knew that I always knew that doing another take was for a reason I was never like why would we do so many takes when I'm sure they have already what they need there was um a very strong connection between the brothers and me and even sometimes we would have done like already 70 takes and I would ask for more (laughs) Which was, but because we were in the process, first of all, yeah, as I told you before, it was sequence shots. So you have a 10 minute scene, it has to be perfect from, you know, the 10 minutes. No cutting, yeah. No, because you cannot edit, so if like 9 minutes goes well, even 9 minutes and a half, and the 30 last seconds something goes wrong, you need to do it again. And uh, I trust them, like... I mean I I trust them a thousand percent. So if they would have asked me 200 takes I would have done it because I knew there was a reason behind this amount of uh takes. And um and that was that was that was one of my best experiences as an actress. They really offered me everything that I had always wanted in terms of relationship with directors. Um and today, when I talk about the, the amount of takes, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, this is a lot. But on set, it, never, it was never overwhelming. It was never exhausting. It was just the process of getting something, getting what they wanted to have, and for me, giving them exactly what they wanted to have
3: one one of the other really interesting things about the film is that it's sort of a series of scenes that are variations on each other because you're going through the film meeting with your colleagues and trying to get your job back basically and each time you meet someone you're you're kind of you're having to ask them the same you're kind of having to make the same appeal but in in a slightly different way. Can, can, can you talk about the, the challenge of that? Is that also something that was sort of part of the, the preparation to figure out what Sandra's relationships were with all of these different people and how she would approach them?
2: Well, when, when I first read this script, I, uh, I was a little scared. <laughs> and, um, but at the same time, I was very excited because it would be an exp- a new experience for me. Um, yeah, she goes to see, I don't remember, it's like t- around 10, 12 uh, uh coworkers and, uh, and she basically s- says the same thing, but not exactly, and when I read the script the second time and the third time, I detected all the slight differences, and I built something with those slight differences, because it tells... You know, the way you talk, the way you use words tells a lot about um, your journey, who you are, first of all, the way you use words. And, uh, and if you're gonna be a little more confident or if you're gonna um, lose confidence, everything was, uh, everything was written in the energy of uh, what she has to say.
3: <laughs> can you can you go is it is it possible to go too deeply into a role because I, I know you like to have a lot of time to prepare and you you told me that uh, you wished you'd had a year to learn Polish for The Immigrant another I film that lo- many people I may have seen you to. in this year although your Polish is so good in the movie that one of are your are you Polish? no but I know <laughs> so I, I know that thank you're, you very much. Your, Poli- your Polish your Polish co-star said that your Polish was was so good, you were yeah, actually doing. Yeah, but she was my
2: teacher too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, nevertheless, to get back to the to that question, because of course, when you played Edith Piaf, it was so uncanny. It was like some kind of, almost like a, the spirit of Edith Piaf had possessed your every physical movement in the film. Can, can you, uh, you know, when you go that deeply into a role, can it be difficult to get out of it when the movie is over?
2: Um, for PF, it was kind of uh, kind of difficult because I it was the first time I went that deep and I immersed myself entirely for months into somebody else's body or spirit world. Um, but I've I've learned a lot um, trying to get back to my life uh, my life after uh, mm-hmm. La Vie en Rose. So now um, I know that I need to I need a process to come back to my life, and this process is as interesting as getting into someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's part of how I work. Mm-hmm. I know that I, it's not that easy, to just go back to your life, right. and uh, and you need to, do like a, not a detox, but a kind of a cleaning thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Now you grew up in a, a family of working actors. Did that. Uh, was that uh, so? Was it a, was it an obvious thing for you because you grew up around it, or did you think this is a tough life? You know, uh, if you you know, it's you're you're going from gig to gig. I'm not sure I want to do this. Well, you know, how how did you sort of find your way to it?
2: Well, that was a, a mix of all this. Yeah. I I think I, I I mean I always wanted to be an actress. That's um, that's a fact. Like my brothers uh, were raised with. You know, we were in the same family. That's that's a stupid (laughs) sentence. Well, sometimes no, it doesn't happen. But well, but they're not actors, right? So um, I think yeah, I think I don't know where it comes from, but it comes from. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 the way it is. I um. I questioned my this desire when I was around at 20, 23, mm. because that was not easy. It's not an it's not an easy job to you know get in. Yeah. Um, but then when I realized that that was really what I was here for, I just had to accept it and um, and try to. Do my best doing this.
3: And what about the celebrity factor? Because uh, you know, obviously you've you've now you know achieved that, that certain level where you're looking at yourself on magazine covers all the time and people are coming up to you in the street. <laughs> <laughs> it's inevitable they're there <laughs> um uh, i mean were you were, how how difficult was that were you was you know after taxi, which was sort of the the thing that really put you onto that that next level were you were you prepared for it or was it was it uh hard
2: well i I don't think you're prepared for this very weird thing actually um even if you were born in and like a very famous family, and your picture has been taken for years, from day one. To um, I don't, I don't know if you're really prepared uh, for this, but at the same time, it's. Um, I think when you're an actor, you 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 kind of looking for a connection with a lot of people you might never meet, but it's you want to tell a story and you want this story to t- touch many people and it's a kind of connection. So this is... Um, um, it's kind of hard to talk about celebrity, actually. But well, when, when, when I started in After Taxi, when people w- would recognize me in the street, it was, it was so uh, weird that I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to take mm-hmm. it. So I would either run away or be very... No, that was phew, super weird. I, <laughs> I'm not very proud of it. But that was the way it was. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And I'm a very sensitive person. And sometimes it would be too much. Now I'm kind of used to it. And, uh, and it's just a different connection to people. Mm. And um, I like it.
3: Now, Sandra is a very sympathetic character in this movie, but you have uh, quite often now played what we might call femme fatale or uh, uh, dangerous women, Uh, uh, twice for Christopher Nolan in Inception and The Dark Knight Rises. Um, You have coming, coming out soon, Macbeth, where you play Lady Macbeth, which you told me was a role you always knew you would play eventually um, which i think is interesting uh do you do you have an attraction to that dark side to playing these these kind of film noir or or uh femme yeah, fatale roles
2: unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um when <clears throat> when they offered me the role of macbeth uh, of of lady macbeth um, I said yes right away without my brain being involved in this decision. And then I started to think, and I was like, oh, wow, yeah, here you go again, drama, drama, drama. <laughs> okay, um, I must be, yeah, I must be attracted to darkness, for sure. <laughs> um, but sometimes I'm having very sane not schizophrenic conversation with myself, but still conversation with myself, thinking: w- When are you gonna stop living life of people who are so fucked up? <laughs> 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 and I have no answer. <laughs> I'm just waiting for sun and light. <laughs> it'll come. It'll come.
3: Um, talk uh, talk a little bit about you know your career post. La Vie en Rose, and and sort of splitting your time between doing big Hollywood movies and smaller movies, both in France and elsewhere, uh, smaller American movies like uh, like The Immigrant. Is there a is there a strategy? Is there uh, what, what, what guides you sort of from, from role to role? Do you think in terms of, well, you know, I, I, I want to do a certain number of uh, big audience movies for this reason, or I want to do some smaller films for my personal passions? Uh, or, or, what, what, what is guiding you from project to project?
2: Um, it's kind of very simple. I, I read scripts. I meet with people and when I feel that my place is in in this uh, adventure that's where I go and it's definitely not the other person inside of myself taking the decision (laughs) and Mm -hmm. thinking of a strategy of you know but um, no I I don't have any strategy or um, I feel very lucky that I have uh, amazing offers from amazing directors and with amazing projects. Um, but it's, yeah, step by step. Uh, usually there's, there's something that, I, that I've noticed uh, many years ago, is that when I, when I feel a strong need to express something, uh, usually there's a movie that comes with a character that will uh allow to uh, allow me to express uh uh this thing um it can be a simple thing or a complex thing but um, um i remember when i uh that was when i was shooting um the the first um movie that i did in america was uh, tim burton's movie a uh, big fish, and I was thinking about what I wanted to do after, and I thought that I needed to express a certain form of anger. And then, three days later, uh, I had the Jean-Pierre Jeunesse script with this um, very um, long engagement. Very long engagement, and that was exactly what I n- needed at that time. Another
3: dangerous woman,
2: but sympathetic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's super cool. <laughs> Uh, um, so it, I never know which way it's going to take. Nothing is planned, um, but I'm I'm just I feel I, I just feel very lucky that it comes.
3: <laughs> um, I'm going to turn it over now and take some questions from the audience, and I'll just ask that if people wait for the microphone to come around so we can get the sound on the the recording of this. But let's have a show of hands. Standing there uh, behind, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Do you ever wish to become a director yourself? Um, Whether non, like low budget or bringing in up and coming actresses and actors or working with really famous stars like yourself one day?
2: Um, I've always wanted to work with actors, actresses especially. Um, French actresses, we have a a lot of amazing French actresses. And, um, and I've always had stories that I really wanted to tell. So I might... I'm getting there, I think. Um, I know that it's really hard to direct a movie because I uh, share my life with the director. <laughs> and, um, and I know what it takes. And, um, but yeah, there's... Um, There's something that is growing inside of me. Um, I might. I might. (laughs) Hi. uh, Okay. uh, I'm shaking right here. (laughs) Um, I came from Philadelphia for this,
1: so I'm very excited. And uh, you've mentioned before that uh, you wanted to do comedy. So uh, why is this attraction with comedy for you?
2: Um, Fresh air. No, ki- no, no, not kidding actually, but um, because it's um, it's super far from my comfort zone. Even if drama is not that comfortable, um, because it, it would be a big risk for me. Because I don't know if I if I am able to be good <laughs> in a comedy. Um, I love. Watching comedies, um, so yeah, that's. I've always been attracted to do comedy. I'm a little scared because I, yeah, I don't know what it would be. I would have a lot of work, I guess. I know. Um, so yeah, I wish I will.
3: Well, well, maybe you can say something about your brief but memorable <laughs> appearance in Anchorman 2 last year which you were very funny in.
2: I mean, all of those guys are my idols. <laughs> so that was kind of crazy for me. When they asked me, I didn't even read anything. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I mean, being on a set with Will Ferrell was kind of my dream. And um, I freaked out, totally. I mean, and that we, we were in that huge field <laughs> and, uh, and Adam McKay was like super far away, giving me lines, like new lines over this, uh, uh, say, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. megaphone. I could barely understand what he was saying. Can I say that I was hangover? Yeah, I do. <laughs> because that was the med Bowl the night before. <laughs> So, I mean, it was part of me being in a in a disastrous state, and at the same time having a lot of fun. Um, I mean, that was that that yeah. That for me, that was amazing to be there. But I was really scared that I would be super super bad in terms of like awkward. And um, but in the end, I, I I don't. I mean, I have seen the movie not a uh, long time ago, and um, um, it, that was okay.
3: I think the, the <laughs> I didn't
2: think I was horror terrible so that's
3: good. I think the logic there is that if you want to make a comedy with Marion Cotillard, just get her drunk the night before. Oh my God.
2: I knew I, I shouldn't have said that. No. <laughs> but that was a fact actually That was just to explain that I didn't get everything that I, I, I don't know if I. If I had been like all clear, I, I would have understood it probably was more. The, was probably you know. It was probably the megaphone.
3: Yeah, probably. It was um, okay, we'll go here. Yeah.
2: Hi, I'm just kind of um, taking on from what you were just saying about watching yourself. You said you liked yourself in that film, so that's great. But I just wanted to know, what's your journey? Because you go
1: into the, those roles and become another person to some extent, or another version of yourself, when you watch yourself do you um are you comfortable with watching yourself do you see yourself do you see the character you became because you've played it from the inside and then you're watching it from the outside so i just wanted to know what it feels
2: like um well it depends on um different things actually uh, i th- the first time i i need to see my work um because it's part of the experience. It's uh, well. First of all, I respect the directors I work with so much, and I and and I want to see the result to you know to share the, exp- uh, the experience entirely. Uh, usually, the first time it's really hard because I will not watch the movie, yeah. but I will kind of judge myself, and I'm a very very. Um, severe judge, um, which is something that I um, that I'm good with being a very uh, hard judge, um, and then the second time I and I unwa- and I watch the movies uh, twice, mm. and the second time it's um, I can watch the movie. I can if it's really bad. I won't watch the second time <laughs> because I'm not a masochist. A masochist, <laughs> um, but when I feel that it's good, I never and I never think it's good the first time because I cannot watch the movie as I told you. But um, this movie, um, two days one night, was it was really really hard to watch for me even the second time. And I think I um, I thought about it. It was hard for me to watch it because of so many takes that we had done. I think it um, this is this is my this is my the greatest experiences that I had as an actress doing this movie. Um, The two directors gave me everything that I had ever wanted. As an actress and but the process was so intense maybe that it's really hard for me to be part of an audience Um, when and I guess because I asked myself I I, I asked myself why is it hard for for you to see this movie and and I think it's because of this because of the process of the shooting Um, but Did I answer your question? (laughs) I than more than than answered it. Thank you for that.
1: Hi, I just want to say that I love you, but anyways. um, How has the kind of rapid shifts between doing French cinema and American cinema affected you as an actress on a personal level or whatever way?
2: Um, When I was a kid and I wanted to be an actress, my... uh, My dream was to be kind of a Peter Sellers uh, actor and to go from a movie to another and that people would not recognize me. Um, So I, I wanted to do very, very different things and explore. And the fact that I've had the opportunity to explore more than my culture is so rich, and I'm so grateful to have the chance to explore being Polish, to explore being Italian, to explore being uh, a Belgium girl from Surin, um, to explore uh, being a non-living person, like in the Nolan's movie, which was an amazing experience too. Um, this is am- this is everything that I had wanted, and even more than that.
1: And you do it brilliantly, so. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh,
3: Let's go away in the back, the gentleman standing with his hand up.
1: Bonjour, Marion. Bonjour. Uh, I'll I'll speak English. (laughs) Uh, So you said uh, that in your early 20s you were questioning yourself. Um, What guided you, what gave you the strength to keep on going as an actor, actress?
2: Um, when when I was when I was 20 I questioned myself it was more questioning my strength and my patience because I was I was working but I wanted more and that and for me it was kind of Hard to accept that I that I had an ambition because I was um, I was connecting ambition to a bad thing. Um, ambition was negative for me, and then I met some people who told me ambition is not negative if it's not against other people, um, and if you have ambition, you should. Let it be. Um, And that's how things will come. So, and when I was, uh, yeah, 23, something like that, or 24, I think that was around that age. And And I was working, but I was not working with, I was doing a lot of first directing movie, which was amazing and which was fine. I was kind of a little ashamed not to be entirely happy with what I had because I had some friends who were actors and who were not working. So I was keeping this for myself, but that was a fact. I wanted uh, bigger-than-life roles. I wanted to work with directors that had given me the desire to be an actress. Um, And when I allowed myself to let my ambition be, That's when things started to come, and the big things that I wanted started to come. But questioning myself as what I do, I've been questioning myself for a few years, actually, um, because this is a weird job. And when you take a step back and you're like, so what you do is entering people's life, trying to be them, um, visiting weird places. And I start to think, why do I do that? And I start to think, and especially because I choose, as as we discussed before, (laughs) heavy stuff. And it's part of my life. And when I enter an, um, an experience, an adventure, it's, it becomes all my life. And sometimes it's super heavy. And I was thinking, why do you do this? Why? And I started questioning it as, I mean, too much. And it created something inside of me, which was, this is absolutely useless and then i met this guy and he said do you like to watch movies and i said yes i love to watch movies and he said why and i'm like because it brings emotions because it brings sometimes question because i live things in a very different way than when i live my life or and he said so what do you feel when you question yourself? What do you feel when you cry in front of the movie or when you laugh or when... And I said, I feel alive. And he said, well, this is not fucking useless. (laughs) So... and um, But I think being an actor is having a lot of questions. So now I accept it.
3: It does beg the question in a way with all this talk about disappearing into roles and doing a lot of research and all of that. Is there a part, or maybe more than one, that you've played that you felt were very close to who you are in real life? Where, where maybe you were drawing, a, particularly on yourself, or when you looked at the film, you you saw yourself on the screen. Uh,
2: yeah, there is one, um, and it's. It's not my favorite thing. I like to be very, very far from myself. Exploring myself, I do it. Yeah. Um, I work on myself. I, uh, I question myself almost every day. I clean myself from all the things that we all get in life, all the, all the suitcases full of good things and bad things. Um, doing this in a movie is—I'm n- not interested in doing this in a movie. And I did it once. It was Little White Lies. Um, she was. What I love to do when I when I prepare a movie is um, investigate in the life of the person, understand this person, find uh, the physicality of this person, find a new voice, a new a way to breathe, to walk, to do everything, to behave. And when I started working on Little White Lies on on this character, I did all my best to go to find something that was different from me, to find a new voice. What I do each time I prepare a character and and that was not working. And the only thing that was working is just to have my voice, have my behavior. And that was... That was really weird. And this is a movie that is really hard to watch for me because when... Especially that she's... Um, she's not very uh, centered. she's um, She's kind of disturbed. And sometimes she's in a position where she's not uh very comfortable and so i saw myself being not comfortable when you never see yourself not being comfortable mm-hmm. i mean maybe the people of real reality tv who watch themselves <laughs> being not comfortable but in real life nobody right you know you don't have a picture of yourself or and i saw this and, and that was ugh, that was super hard to watch because i saw myself and i was like i don't want to see this um, so yeah, I'd rather go the other way the other way
3: um, hi, hi
0: um you mentioned Peter Sellers, but what actresses um current or from the past do you like to watch?
2: Um, so many <clears throat> um from the from the past, you said what? My favorites are not not especially from the past, but um, I love Toni Collette. I think she's a, she's a genius actress. When I saw uh, The Hours, I didn't recognize her. Mm. I was the, for me this disappearing in, in into a character, and and for people not recognizing you is. Like an achievement. <laughs> so um, yeah, Tony Collett. I love. Um, um, I mean, of course, Meryl Streep. I mean, she's the she's the master. So um, um, I love. When I was a kid, I loved Stéphane Audron, who's a, a French actress. I don't know if you know her, but. Um, But I also loved uh, Greta Garbo, who was Greta Garbo most of the time. But, um, um, and, well, and today, I mean, today there are so many amazing actors. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is a prodigy. Um, In France, we have, um, as I said before, a lot of amazing actors. um, young French actresses like Lea Seydoux, you might have heard of her, uh, who's a prodigy. I mean, uh, and Adele Exarchopoulos, who was in *The Blue Is the warms uh, Color*. Um, I'm, I'm in. I've always been inspired by actors and uh, and actors from the past, and uh, and I'm always very moved when a newcomer. Um, comes in the picture and, uh, and gives amazing things. Um, and at a very young age, it's even more moving because, I mean, I, when I saw Jennifer Lawrence uh, for the first time, uh, it was a, when, when, What can you say? I mean, so I'm inspired by a lot of people.
0: Um, I'm Australian, so I also love Tony Clift. So, um, but uh, I'm from the same town in Australia as Justin yeah. Kurzel, who's directing Macbeth. Yeah. For someone like him, who's sort of a relatively new director in the world of cinema, how do you approach those sorts of working situations in comparison to working with people like Chris Nolan and the Darden brothers, mm-hmm. who have like quite a extensive resume and experience.
2: Um when uh, when they offered me the role i I talked to Justin on the phone uh I had watched his uh first movie, yeah snowtown mergers um and I saw that he worked with actors and they were non actors i mean or with a very uh little experience and what he did with his actors is so amazing that you know right away that he's uh a smart and connected uh, person, and then I talked uh, with him um, about uh, lady m and um, and his vision and the way he talked about um, about his idea of this uh, very famous play um, i I was um, I trust him I trusted him right away and I jumped on the boat knowing that he had something special and it was proved on set hi Marianne hi I, I love your work by the way I just wanted to know if you can talk a little bit about your experience working with Woody Allen uh, Wow <laughs> um, that was um that was a tough experience for me, actually, uh, because it took me a long time to actually believe that I was on set with Woody Allen <laughs> <laughs> because um as I said before i I love to work a lot before uh, a movie and um and I met Woody Allen five days before we started shooting, and we we didn't really exchange things. We we discussed a little bit about his vision of the character, but it was I, I had very few information. And um, and then being on a set with him, I, I I was so scared that I wouldn't be. Um, good enough that it kind it it kind of uh, I I, it took me a long time to actually enter the story so um, that's not one of my favorite uh, I mean I love the movie but I think I didn't do a very good job in terms of... I mean, it's okay. <laughs> but I don't like okay. And even if I'm a v- very hard judge, and I will never think it's really good, um, I know when I when I could have done better. Um, so... But I loved the guy. But it was... I don't know. This... Um, I was always scared that he wouldn't get what he wanted because we had talked so little, you know, and I think that I might have misunderstood what he wanted at the beginning. And I knew that he was not very happy, which is, which devastated me. And, um, so yeah, I was, I felt very uncomfortable. Um, he knows everything about it, so (laughs) I can talk, because, yeah, because after all, we talked, um, Up this, uh, that that was not very easy, for him, either, to be, in front of an actress, who was like, like a rabbit, in the, in the light, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but in the end, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy, that I worked with him, and, um, but I'm kind of, there's a, a little deception that I, I, I could have done better
3: I think we have to stop there for a time but uh, I want to thank so much Marion Cotillard for oh, sharing you. this hour with us The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Brian Brooks, Nick Kemp, and Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a non-profit arts organization based in New York City supported by individuals just like you.